0: Hi, this is Randy Randall of No Age and host of the podcast Hyphenate with Randy Randall. I want to welcome our newest sponsor of the show, DistroKid. DistroKid helps musicians get their music on all the major streaming platforms and artists keep 100% of their royalties. Hyphenate listeners get 30% off at distrokid.com backslash VIP backslash hyphenate. Again, that's distrokid.com backslash VIP backslash H Y P H E N A T E. Go get your music streaming everywhere now. Yo, what is up? What is happening? Thank you so much for listening to Hyphenate with Randy Randall. That is me. And uh, on today's show, I'm really excited. I have... The pleasure of sitting down and speaking with not one, not two, not even three, but four, epic human beings who have had such incredible journeys on a musical landscape, on an artistic landscape, on a whole lifetime landscape. Today, my guests are the magical supergroup Wa Together, featuring uh, Vito. The drummer from The Rapture, Steve Schlitz, guitar player, singer-man from Longwave, Phil Mossman, bass dude of uh, LCD Sound System et al., writ large. He uh, has an epic story that you will hear. And uh, singer uh, Jaiko Suzuki from uh, Electroputas and a million other cool, awesome artistic experiences. So please sit back, enjoy the wild story of four epic human beings from the New York underground from epic bands that everyone's heard and let's walk together. Here we go. walk together! Yeah. Thank you guys so much for being here. It's, it's great to see you all again. Thanks for having us. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so this show is called Hyphenate and the idea behind that was I liked... I I thought about, you know, myself and the people I like to talk to and it's and are, the people I'm most excited about or interested in are people that do more than one thing and who've kind of had a long uh, whether that's ex- Continuous, simultaneous or over a lifetime, you know, it sort of feels like, you know, that the days of the, the one subject you know, expert has kind of gone, gone in the history books and now everybody is at one time or another doing, wearing many hats, myself included, you know, by, by starting this podcast, it's a new, a new, you know, uh, arrow in my quiver. And so I thought, um, you guys you guys would be a perfect fit i mean this is this is the like the collage band in so many ways right (laughs) um so tell me how how did you guys meet how did how did this project get started And then we'll go into your histories and kind of what what brought you to this point but let's talk about this band first and how it all began
1: i think phil Phil started the band (laughs) by accident (laughs) (laughs) what happened Um, tell me yeah um steve and i both had recording studios in a basement in dumbo we were like basement rats he was my next door neighbor i'm still here (laughs) (laughs) he's still still there he's probably there right now yeah i got out um but um, yeah, just uh, me and Steve were hanging out one day and I'd also bumped into Vito recently, who I've known for years because of the rapture and LCD and all that. Um, and I, I said, I'll oh, swing by sometime, whenever, just drop by. And, and he did. It just sort of happened organically, really. We just sort of ended up in the same room. I had a drum pit set up and some big amps set up. And Steve bought some guitars and pedals and whatnot. We just let us have a laugh. I didn't know Vito. Yeah, we. Know oh, that. Steve didn't know Vito. Yes, yeah, yeah. so I met. Just, I met
2: Vito that when you had him over that day. You were like, come on, come next door. My friend Vito's coming. You,
1: you know, it started off. You know, a sort of a bit of a you know, sort of rock and roll dad support group sort of thing on a Wednesday, <laughs> Wednesday night. You know. <laughs> No, it was with, morning. With loud amplifiers.
3: Yeah, it's morning because it's dads. <laughs> yeah, during right. the day. <laughs> yeah, and uh, yeah, we just we we jammed for that that first day, and I think the first jam ended up being who we are. It's on the first album.
2: Wow, I remember the, the first jam being that drum beat. Was it sleep?
3: Oh, was it? Okay, yeah, yeah, that's like,
2: and and I was like, this is a cool. Like, I just liked the way Vito played right away. It was like, obviously someone who played with songs in his head and parts in his head and not just like, (laughs)
1: It
0: wasn't soloing the whole time. Unfortunately, no. no. I
1: wish I could. (laughs) I think I threw up like four microphones or something you know two mics on the drums one on Steve one on me just and just press record and um I think we tried to get record some of those tracks again later better quality but we just couldn't get the same vibe as that instantaneous eruption you know it was just all about just the vibe and sort of you know improvisation and just having fun really and it was it was hard to recreate that in spontaneity
3: yeah yeah really so, clicked, like immediately yeah. and then for me so I, we, I had not played drums for like with other people i had been just in the studio for a couple of years so it was like a real just to play it loud and hard was super fun like it was kind of this release at the time Amazing.
2: Yeah, from my my perspective, being a rock guy mostly in my in, in my, I remember it was interesting playing with Phil and Vito because we would play, and then we'd be you know hit on something, and then after what must have been thirty two bars or whatever like like sixty four bars, like a, a, a the right amount of time, all three of us would change, <laughs> and it was it was like oh these guys are also DJs. Like, there, like it was also like very obvious to me, it wasn't like in a normal rock band jam setting where like one guy kind of starts changing and maybe one person follows, maybe one person's not even listening at all and just pushing through it all, <laughs> you know, it wasn't like that at all. It was much more like it was more interesting to me.
0: I think that comes with experience too, right? Like you say, you know, you've, you've done it so many times or you've, you. Know, yeah. there's the place you want to go. And if everybody else goes there instinctually, you know, that's some sort of uh, tele- telepathy or, you know, primal yeah, groove. It's,
3: it's natural. And I think everybody listens, which is really mm. like, which is keep on like, but everybody's really good at listening to each other. Like it, which is, is a skill and, and kind of a talent. So, yeah. so I think it, it it helped make it much easier immediately. But good. none
2: of this would mean anything unless right. Vito brought Jico
0: in. Is that's what going to ask. Next. Yeah. So that's we're, the we're, next step. How does that Jico's happen? not a dad. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> if you <No>. say so. <laughs> not, was not there during the daily <laughs> jams. <clears throat> how did Jico uh, come into into this motley crew?
3: So Jacob, do you want to say? You want me to say start, and then you could say from your perspective. Or... Yeah. You start. Yeah. Okay, so we we jammed a handful of times, and we had all these jams, you know, <laughs> and these, uh, and we we really liked them. We're like, God, oh, this is this great, you know, and it's fun and it sounds good. So it'd be great to have a vocalist on these. And I was kind of, I didn't. I personally, I didn't want it to be like a dude rock band. Like, so I, I was like, man, it should just, it'd be nice to have something more interesting. And I've known Jiko for years and years. And I saw her perform um, at a opening or a cafe. I can't remember what it was. It was like a-
4: Like once. In,
3: <laughs> yeah, once in a store. But I'd never heard Jiko sing, like, sing, sing, like, as a front, it was just her and and somebody playing uh, acoustic guitar, and I was like, man, I love Jaco's voice, and I was like, I didn't know Jaiko sang like that, and so I kind of just filed it away. And
4: filed with this, away. I was
3: like, you know, I just think I think Jaco would be could be really cool for this, so I I hit her up and sent her track, and you know, had no idea, and uh, she she did an amazing
2: job. She, she finished she, all the songs is what happened. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So, yeah. what is yeah. it from your perspective? Uh, oh, sorry.
1: Sorry, yeah, yeah. She turned these, like, 14-minute jams and condensed them down to, you know, four-minute songs. That was the next part of the process.
3: Yeah, I think the first track is Tobu. She came in and what you hear is what she did like <laughs> it was just you know
0: like a song which was great so cool yeah, yeah so what what's your perspective Jaco?
4: oh yeah so Vito sent me an email if i want to do anything and i was just like oh but i don't know you know if i can do it but i try it and he but it was really great because i didn't know if you and steve but Vito told me I can do anything, like in English or Japanese or whatever. And then I, once I started, I got so into it; it was so fun. I was like, "Oh, okay." I I didn't know I can do this, but I can do it. It's so fun. So I went to Vito's. So me and Vito recorded first, like you know, sketches together. But they were basically done. Like I I really you know got it. But then then I met Phil and Steve. Then it was two.
0: <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Yeah. Um, I
4: don't actually
2: remember when we met, Jaiko. I'm thinking about this now. Did you come down to Phil's place? When did we actually, yeah. the first time we met? Oh, okay. I
4: went to Phil's place, and then, uh, but we, me and Vito already maybe tried, like, three tracks at that point.
2: No, and I, I, I remember more. that. I remember With Vito used. sent back Tobu, and I was like, this is wonderful but yeah. I, I don't remember actually
1: you before, messaged me
4: you messaged me on Facebook and said I did this is great <laughs> yeah I was like wow what a nice guy
0: <laughs> what a creepazoid
4: <laughs> <laughs> no it was very nice <sighs> oh
0: man wow. Wow. that's so cool and so like you said you there were 14 minute long songs and then and then Jaco, you kind of found what you thought was a good beginning middle and end or how did that? How did that sort of? I mean, you gave it some form lyrically.
4: I gave I gave some form, but then we edited a lot of stuff together. That's why it took a while to edit shit down.
0: That's amazing. Um, so then maybe we'll go. We'll we we'll kind of go back in this sort of same order. But so, Jaiko, how how did you come to music, and how what what is your background with with music in New York, and and we'll you know we'll sort of get in everybody's personal story and what brought you up to these points now.
4: I was always a performer, like I was a stripper, dancer, and, you know, this and that, many, many things. Mermaid, I DJ'd, and this and that, you know. But I also played drums with this band called Electroputas. It's just like a avant-garde, crazy noise band. And then uh, I love playing drums, too. But I didn't really sing, sing until, I guess I sang started singing more in like 2015. Then I knew I wanted to sing more. So this was a great, you know, like, oh, cool. You know, like somebody wanted me to sing. And, and, but I, you know, I didn't know, I've never really been like a front person in a rock band before. So the first time we played, as I went on the stage, I was like, oh, I've never done this, you know, like, I don't know how to do this, really, but uh, do it, you know. But it's always fun.
0: Wow. And then you're from Japan? And when did you come to New York? And what was that experience like?
4: I came in the 90s, like uh, mid-90s, I think. Then uh, I just blended right in. I loved it so much. I just, like, first day, I was like, I love it. I wasn't, like, shocked about anything. I just, like, it felt so much easier to me. I still find it much, much easier to be here than in Japan.
0: And, and where in Japan were, were you coming from?
4: I'm from, like, a suburb of Tokyo. I mean, Tokyo, but, you know, like, Tokyo mm-hmm. is big. So it's, like, the outskirts of Tokyo. Mm-hmm. Okay. Total nothing town. Like, super boring. <laughs> super nothing. Yeah,
0: but New York was more your speed. Yeah, amazing, so cool. And then Vito, what, what is your story, and how did you get to this point to create WA together?
3: Uh, well, yeah, I, I guess I grew up in a boring suburb in San Diego, and uh, I didn't really get into playing music until I was like, like eighteen or so. A little later, I, I started going to punk shows. Um, and me and uh and then i formed a few bands um and the band that stuck was this band rapture so and me and and uh the singer and guitar player luke started it and we grew up together we were like best friends and, and just kind of did everything together started going to shows and we're like well let's let's play music so we each picked an instrument and then uh I kind of like bummed around San Diego in after high school for a few years, going to community college and playing in random bands, just starting to play and then decided to go to film school in San Francisco. So I moved up there. And once I got up there, I continued to play and I started a band with this guy, Jeff, uh, Jeffrey paradise uh, called the calculators. And, uh, he, play, he has a band called Poolside that I play in now. So it's been, it's these long, I've kept these long friendships and musical uh, connections. But then, uh, yeah, just played, formed the rapture there and then moved to Seattle for like six months and then moved out to New York in like 99, early 99. And uh, mainly like for years was just it, that band kind of took, all my musical time and energy so <laughs> that was that was what i was doing but um met the dfa guys early on that's how i met phil and um met Jaiko on t- we were i was in japan i think uh maybe my wife's japanese so i don't know if we're visiting or playing a show but i met her there with uh, nick from the IAS and just like yeah kind of <laughs> met everybody through music too but um yeah, I, I but I was I, I played drums, it's my main instrument, but about ten years ago I built the studio because I really wanted to like learn how to and figure out how to like produce and engineer and mix. And it was something that I was always really interested in and I loved doing like I loved recording, you know, with when when with all the other bands. So that's, that's kind of been like the last 10 years. It's been this is where I hang out and then still been making music and doing all the other stuff you know, you're talking about. We're wearing a bunch of hats.
0: Amazing. Yeah. So so you produce other bands and engineer and record there?
3: Yeah. Mainly mainly my projects. Okay. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. Other, other stuff too. Yeah. Just kind of like, but yeah. just like record drums and set up
0: awesome yeah drums are definitely one of those instruments where you realize it's the it's the um the the studio makes such a big uh, impact on how they turn out or you yeah. know, it's the space you're really you're, you're capturing the air around the drums you're not really right. capturing I mean, the drums so, so the, where where is that air and how does it sit in the room and what is it doing i've noticed so many engineers are
3: drummers like as a musical background and i think that's not an accident because yeah it is it's kind of the trickiest and the hardest thing to record you know and so like it takes a lot more so i think there's some kind of a natural uh intersection there
0: totally yeah you you can't just turn you just turn a knob and make them sound no, yeah, just Plug in and turn it off. yeah
3: exactly <laughs> With, I wish. which which i think is,
0: is i think there is some kind of um, you know sort of catch 22 or sort of irony to it all you know think about drums sort of being the most you know Primitive, de- you know, just you know, you're hitting things with sticks. You're hitting yeah. you know, skins with sticks, Man. you know. And there's yeah. there's something so simple about it, but but the translation of that into a recorded medium, you know, capturing that the feel and the sound of that of that most basic of of sound production is sort of where the the science you know yeah. turns itself inside it's just, out to, to it's get like that way destroy. more
3: technical. Yeah, it's like this kind of extreme. Yeah, but, yeah. I mean, why? wanted to play drums was for the first reason you said, you know, I just love like the physical physicality of it. It's (laughs) fun. Um, But yeah, then as you do it for a while, like I wanted it (laughs) to sound how I heard it in my head. So I had to figure out that side.
0: Yeah that's that's a, that's the amazing part and then that's and there goes the rest of your um your 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 retirement fund and your kids college fund exactly. yeah, if I mean, yeah. 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 you start i just wanted to record drums i heard in my head you know a hundred thousand dollars later like i it still doesn't <laughs> yeah. sound right it's still I would, you know, I, it's still not quite there I, I, I amazing <laughs> which is a great which is a great transition we'll go we'll go to phil yeah. on bass yeah. Uh, yeah Phil so yeah what's what is your story how did you how did you come to this moment in your life where did it all begin
1: how long have you got yeah.
0: <laughs> We're good we're good we got time this is the this is the the format of uh of podcasting we go long
1: <laughs> Well I'm from um, West London sort of right out near Heathrow airport and one of my first jobs I, I got in a like a guitar store a music store so I wanted a job where I could just sit around and learn how to play guitar and bass and drums all day so and um an Indian family moved in next door to that store and it opened like a convenience store and that um that was uh Jags Kuna who's went on to be a very Noted producer who worked with Andrew Weatherall and Primal Scream. Uh, he's still quite a prolific producer in the UK. But uh, we be- sort of became fast buddies, and he had a little recording studio in his uh, sort of garage at the back of the store. And we used to do tracks in there, and we got a, we got picked up by Andy Weatherall and started working with him around you know sort of post acid house era and um they started a band sabers of paradise which i ended up in and they had a recording studio in this like depressed council estate in that area that the chemical brothers famously were too scared to go to <laughs> it was all like, you know, sort of hypodermic syringes lying around in the stairwells and that kind of thing. But uh Andy Weatherall liked, you know, the sort of grimy urbanness of it all, I think. So we started making tracks there. And um and when that ended I got a job at Battery Studios, which is was like a big commercial recording studio owned by zomba records and they had artists like r kelly <laughs> he, he used to tear it up um and yeah i worked there for about four or five years learning how to engineer and record it was you know worked me really hard i was uh employee so just working twenty four hours a day, seven days a week, just constantly on one session after another. But you know that's where I learnt my sort of recording and producing sort of side of my thing. So after I got burnt out doing that, I uh, I met David Holmes called me up out of the blue one day and said he was looking for like a multi-instrumentalist who could engineer and and so i said yeah i can do that and uh, i started commuting to belfast to work with david holmes who was like doing a lot of dance tracks and remixes and uh, the troubles were still on it was still still a war zone when I was commuting out there, I'd get a flight from London on Monday. We'd work until like Wednesday or Thursday, and then I'd fly back to London. And, um, David always wanted to get into film scores. And, uh, one of his tracks got picked up in Hollywood to be licensed for a movie which was like a Danny DeVito-produced movie, Uh, and Steven Soderbergh was the director, and George Clooney and Jennifer Lopez were the stars. It was Out of Sight, it was called. And David being David said, no, you can't license the track, but I will take a meeting with you about doing the music. So he got flown out to L.A., had a meeting with Steven Soderbergh and came back with the entire score. So our studio in Belfast was basically a bedroom studio in his house, you know, with samplers and a few synths and that kind of thing. So we it working on this big movie in his bedroom in Belfast. And, uh, eventually they got fed up with that and said, no, you're coming over here. So they, dragged us out to los angeles and put us up in uh, the sunset marquee hotel which had a recording studio in the basement so they could just keep an eye on us they just sort of locked us up in this hotel with the recording studio in it and there we stayed for about three months working on this uh movie and then after that We went to New York to work on the record, and then that's where we met James Murphy. And there's a whole documentary about all the capers and trouble we got into in that period. Um, Meet Me in the Bathroom, that's out now, and that covers that whole sort of David Holmes expedition to New York, which was, you know, amazing for me. It was just incredible just being out in New York for six months or however long it was. And uh, I met a girl, ended up having to stay in New York, and um, uh, James eventually asked me to join LCD Sound System when he made that band, and then I met Vito through the rapture and that whole DFA scene, and then we come to war together.
0: (laughs) Wow, that is a journey and a half. Got, it was, it was. <laughs> he promised you. That's great. <laughs> I know, heard a lot of that. I love uh, it. Yeah, no, I didn't. I didn't know a lot of that either. And it's. I'm sure there's. I'm sure there's still a million stories that, did, that were not included in there.
1: Oh, that's the <laughs> but, short version, trust right? Me.
0: Yeah, <laughs> from the Council Estate Recording Studios to uh, Sunset Marquee, and then and then yeah, uh, the, the the birth yeah. of LCD Sound System.
1: I mean, they, I they were wild, it. wild, and fun. And, and very creative days. And I wouldn't want to go through them again, but I'm glad I did.
0: <laughs> and 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 you and studio also, right? So now, so so Vito has a studio, Phil has a studio, and and are you still uh, recording and producing? Is that still one of your hats you wear, or is this is what where are you, where are you currently at with your? Um,
1: I do a lot of film scores now and as i say, i used to have a studio in dumbo next to steve but when covid hit um my wife and i we bought a little farm up upstate and uh, i've got a barn up there oh wow
0: look at that
1: i'm currently converting into a recording studio so um yeah we're a very recording studio rich band all of us (laughs) have one
0: that is exciting. I mean, I like, I feel like this is the future of, of bands where everybody's, a, a, you know, has their own studio space. I, I think of, you know, um, uh, Shellac was sort of the first band that kind of comes to mind of a band of engineers and, you know, producers, for want of a better word. But there's, yeah. Do, do you think the, the logic would say, or reason would, would stand, it would stand to reason that the recording would be very easy but something tells me that there's actually probably it's probably a lot more complicated than that, because everybody has their own studio. Or how how is that how is that sort of worked for you?
1: Um, we've currently been working in Vido Studio a lot, which is really fun. It's like a, a little clubhouse. It's like a little white box on top of a roof in uh, uh, Greenpoint with an amazing roof. Deck that you can look at the cityscape on. So that's, uh, that's, that was far less depressing than the one in Dumbo, which was. (laughs) in a basement with, you know,
2: that, that we're coming back to soon. <laughs> Don't say anything
1: bad. It's going to hear it. it's going I'm not, I'm you. not slagging <laughs> off. I'm not slagging off Steve's studio. It's, it's awesome. Oh, I, Oh, I heard it. I heard it. <laughs> Once you get through the door and you're in his room, it's great. But the journey, the journey outside of the door. Yeah.
3: <laughs> All right. I, so, like so, I miss the neighborhood. I like out uh, I neighborhood. I'll, I'll I'll that. I'll agree That's with that. I'm Everything
2: outside the head door, head 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 of head 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 door of the studio is, Grim.
3: <laughs> yeah. What I,
2: when Phil and I were both down here, I remember years before coming down in this neighborhood and I didn't want to physically be here. I felt unsafe. Uh, and when there was a, 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 you know, I was looking for a studio, I was in this building first before Phil chronologically. And I remember I came down here and I thought, I I don't want to be down there. And I, and I came down and people were having brunch on the sidewalk and stuff. And I thought, what, what, what what happened here? You know? And then, yeah, Phil Phil showed up one day and I was
0: like, oh my God, you're here too now. (laughs) (laughs) There goes the neighborhood. Totally.
2: Yeah. I knew it was fancy when Phil showed up. Yeah.
0: But yeah, so see, but yeah, What, what is your, where, where did you begin? Where, where does it all start? And how, oh how you talk us, talk us through it and how you got to this point now. Uh,
2: <laughs> right. Well, yeah, I'm from Rochester, New York, which is Western in the state. And it's, it's more Midwestern than it is the city. Like the closest cities to Rochester when you're growing up there are like Toronto, maybe Cleveland. And so... Growing up, I was like at some point in high school, I was mu- playing music and I thought I-, I can't stay here. I had a band that was playing in there, just playing guitar too. And and I was having a good time, but um, the band broke up. I learned a lot about what not to do in a band. The band had, you know, what you at that time called label interest, you know. And we did a little touring all through my senior year of high school. I was starting to not be at high school anymore. I was like away. And we'd come down to New York and play for like really fancy, uh, you know, Seymour Stein and Gary Gersh, really big wig guys. And, and then the band broke up, kind of imploded. And I had to figure out if I was going to, you know, go to college, like really ba- basic stuff. And I decided to move to New York. It was either move to New York or move to LA with the singer from the band. And I wasn't so keen on that. And New York wasn't too far. It was like, you know, you want to, you know, New York, I thought was it. So I moved here and, um, started a band called long waves and long wave was playing around for about a year or two before, um, we were friends with a lot of bands. We were, we were, we were always easy to, you know, I don't think we made very many enemies with among bands. And one of our friends, uh, started managing the strokes and the strokes took off. And they kind of took us with them in a way, like like I think the way the Strokes happened was so like meteoric, and and, and um, there was I, I didn't kind of realize at the time, but I think there were a lot of people that wanted a piece of that, and for them, they just brought their friends on tour. So for little old me from Rochester, New York, like all of a sudden there are labels interested in the band and in, in our band, and so we were able to. To, to turn that into a thing we did for a few years. Like That was my job, and it was fun. We toured a lot, and um, I didn't realize that parallel to this was all the DFA stuff. All these things were also happening in New York at the same time that the Strokes thing was happening, and we were firmly in that camp. Meanwhile, I think literally three blocks away, Vito and Phil were going to Plant Bar and hanging out, and I was going to 2A and hanging out, and those those bars are literally what two blocks away from each other? This is all happening at the same time, but I I didn't know them, and they didn't know me, and so
4: I was at Plaza too. You
2: were there too, so Jaiko was there too. And two A
3: too. <laughs> yeah, you're at both. You were at yeah, I yeah. was there. No, she was
4: yeah. at the she was at
2: the coral room as a mermaid swimming through the fish tank. <laughs> I
4: was at niagara or dancing too. Yeah. Forever. Direction.
2: So I don't know. That's that's how it was for a long time, and 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 then at some point I wasn't able to you know support myself doing that anymore. I started playing guitar for on tours for people, and I was kind of floating for a little while, uh, and then I did a song because we had a publisher for Long Wave that um, out of nowhere was used in one of these Twilight movies, and. Mm-hmm. Um, I had done it on an mbox you
0: know what an mbox is yeah a small yeah. recording device not too i mean
2: this was the generation one mbox usb one device that you know i knew at the time it was 190 dollars or something i mean it really is like an insult to proper <laughs> engineers all over the world over you know yes and this is what i used to, to record this song that was you know in this huge movie and I got a windfall of money. I was dead broke, and I got this big windfall of money. And uh, I remember a good friend of mine told me that you know you you should stop buying guitars. You should start really thinking about microphones. And and <laughs> this is what you do. You know you got a this Mbox thing that you're we've used to this bullshit.
0: <laughs> even even though <laughs> so, you just made all this money, you're like I don't know. I know. Maybe, yeah, maybe, yeah, maybe it yeah. If it ain't broke, don't fix it.
2: Yeah, but but so that's that's how I came to start a little place. I mean, I never had a studio for other people to use. It was just for me to make demos and ideas of songs. And um, I was still touring. And then my wife and I got married, had our first son. And that kind of coincided with meeting Phil. Uh, And Phil at the time was doing uh, film score stuff, but also TV commercials. So the company where Phil was at started hiring me to do TV commercial music and that coincided really nicely because I was not going to be on the road as much anymore. And so that's kind of what was happening for years. And I think in relation to Wah together when we had the studios next to each other me and Phil we would walk through the hall and we'd say stuff to each other like you know remember when we used to have amps pointed at each other and blasting each other blowing blowing the other guy away you know like yeah. Wasn't that fun? And it sounds it sounds painful the way I just described it, but it was really fun, you know. So that's kind of what led to Phil saying, you know, I'm going to get Vito down. And as far as I remember, Phil actually co-opted Vito, like totally ambushed Vito. I don't think Vito was expecting to play the drums the day he came down. Uh,
3: I thought I was just going to go look at the studio. Yeah, we you was, were all like interested the in the thing studio. Thing. <laughs> yeah, for years we'd be like, I was building out my little studio. I was like, hey, we should check out our studio. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I had no idea.
2: Yeah, so but that that's basically and it was that's why I had a bunch of stuff I'd literally just roll it down the hallway over into Phil's studio and we would work on want together stuff. But so I guess that's the short version or I guess relatively short version <laughs> of the situation, you know. Um
0: Again, yeah, I'm sure there's a million stories in there. I mean, from from yeah, from Rochester to to you know, big labels buying you dinner as a teenager. Oh yeah, yeah, I'm yeah, sure yeah, that's, yeah, that yeah. there's a whole head yeah, fuck yeah. there, and then to then this then being on tour with the Strokes, that having one yeah. one major label door closed to then this other world that you weren't even expecting. You know the, yeah the, no there yeah. were a
2: lot of I mean I, I was doing that for years playing guitar for James Eha from the Smashing Pumpkins and Albert from the Strokes had a solo band I was really doing that I just uh, it's it's not really sustainable the the commercial thing isn't sustainable either but it, it's more sustainable it's more like you know it, it the 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 tour ends you' you're done like that's over you know like for you know they could never call you again you're done. Um, but but, you know the the, the thing about meeting phil and uh, was cool because we were doing these tv commercial jobs and um i kind of like doing those kinds of jobs they're they're, they're short they're finite it's unlike a record where you can labor over and labor over it this thing has to be done by three o'clock like and you know phil was always cool because like it was always cool doing stuff Because, you know, you'd get told, can you just, you know, this is back when all the commercials had like ukulele and hand claps and stuff.
0: (laughs) Before the foot stomping and the group hoes. Yeah, and and
2: someone would say, you know, I know it's kind of annoying. Can you just do the ukulele and the hand claps? And I would say, yeah. Amazing. Fine. Like yeah. as long as everybody knows it's annoying,
0: I can do it. Because <laughs> it's not—it's not your art. It's, it becomes a craft at some point. No, and that's—that's that's you're what creating a chair are. or a table or I, building a car. It's. I, like, yeah. I've met people I know. Phil
2: can probably relate too. That, that do that kind of work and it does. It can get confused. That's the, that's their art, you know. And mm-hmm. it's really not. It's really just about solving a problem for their whatever movie or no, the movie is different. But whatever commercial spot, like just solving that thirty-second problem is not, I mean, I guess can be artistic sometimes, but it's, I don't look at it like that at all. And I know yeah. Phil doesn't, like we're talking about, Wah Together was a, was an expression of like, Phil and I, at least for me, we're, we're doing that even just a few years too long where it's like, you know, now we need another outlet for this kind of, you know, the way Wah Together sounds with that fuzz guitar sometimes that I, my part of it wouldn't really fly in a Cheerios commercial. <laughs> you know
0: <laughs> yeah yeah but I the, do know very well yeah
2: yeah but the cool thing about meeting Phil was like over time we started I we I remember being at um Hi-Fi the bar with you Phil and which was brownies years ago and I remember just having a beer with Phil and Primal Scream came up and I remember talking and I can't remember but it, somehow it came up that Phil was on the record exterminator Whoa. I was like, "Fuck, you're on exterminator, Phil." Like, I would just find out stuff about Phil over the course of this time, (laughs) and it's like, you know, he does—he's not going to tell you, you know. But it was—it was cool. It it was like, and it was also like I say, it was someone that I knew was had a background that was cooler than doing these TV spots. Not that that's not necessarily cool, but it's just someone like you're getting to know the depth, and it was like, I—I—I like this, you know. It's some can bring more to the experience. But I, I I think I should – I feel like I want to make it clear that no matter what Vito or me or Phil can say about the cool tours we were on or the people that we still are friends with or whatever, none of it can compare to Jyko. Everybody I've met that I say I'm in a band with Jaiko, everyone's like, I love <laughs> Like People that I, I would never even think knew Jyko, know Jiko from 10, 15 years ago. And like you're in a band with jayco like it, it's a whole <laughs> yeah
3: that just happened uh, um what's his i think his name ryan he's one of the bartenders owners of max fish uh i got a blanket on the name but he, Mark? he was here huh Mark. Mark Rezzo. Yeah. yeah oh yeah he was here and then john he's like he was looking at we were showing the studio and he's like i was like oh that's one of the bands that played its equipment Wah together. He's like, Wah together? Jaco's fan. <laughs> <laughs> I
4: love Wah together. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, yeah, Mark was, Mark saw us at the, remember, mercury Lounge? And he was like, Your guitar player is a monster. So he wanted yeah, to put you, you on it. the Shred yeah. Fest too, Steve. No, no. Yeah, I you, don't- Steve, you should get on that Shred Fest.
0: Yeah. You are a contender, man. I don't know about that. <laughs> well- <laughs> All right. Well, we're getting close to the end here. I feel like I feel like we covered a lot of territory, but you know, individually, <laughs> this was a big. This is a lot a lot of great stuff. Um, <clears throat> I have a segment that I've that I've been calling uh, the Gear Corner, and it's a little bit of theater of the mind. And I think we'll kind of again, I think we'll maybe go around, well, uh, one one by one. But that we're gonna we're gonna travel down the hallway here at the at Hyphenet Studios, and we're gonna open up uh, each one of your gear Gear Corner, and, we're, and you're gonna tell me what's in this corner and what kind of gear you have to do the many jobs that you do what are some indispensable tools of the trade that you oh, could God. describe so uh, i'll start with again i'll start with uh, i uh, don't J- know what, I, I, I think you're going to have to narrow it down well, we're going to talk about uh, yeah. Let, 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 let's say let's say two two things you couldn't uh, live without gear wise, meaning it, or with tools you need for to do the job. If you only had if you only had two things, You've got a clock and a to lot together recording ah, okay. session or show. There we go. How about that? Oh, so wow, yeah, and we're going to talk about gear, right? So there's a little bit of gear. I know we could probably nerd out for another six hours about this, but we'll keep it we'll keep it fairly uh, 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 swift. So so, Jiko, <clears throat> welcome to. Let's, let's walk for a second. Hold on, follow me. We're gonna go over here. <laughs> All right, we're walking. Okay, we're opening the door. Jiko, we're in your gear corner. What what is here? Tell me about two of your favorite things you have here in this gear corner.
4: Wow, I got no gear.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay. So there's cobwebs over here. There's some there's some dust over there. I'm imagining you have a uh, some type of 58 uh microphone with a windscreen. No. no not even that. <laughs> no. Do you have Oh yeah, Meditate. Okay. A, pa- a a a mat to meditate. Now what about some type of a a writing device? Is there is there a pad and, and pencil there where you would reflect on the words that you would create for the for this project or what
4: yeah i have a notebook in the okay. pen. Okay. Right.
0: <laughs> those are two things uh, all right i'll take it okay uh veto how many drum keys are on your keychain right now in your corner none, none.
3: you know and I, I i i i get well i have this thing about keychains i don't like having a lot of stuff in them mm. like in my pockets so i always and i should keep one on there because I always there's times when I need yeah. it, but I have like twenty drum keys right there on my <laughs> shelf. So actually maybe I will put one on my keychain right now.
0: Okay. Oh my god.
3: But uh yeah, n- none. I I always have earplugs in my pocket. Mm, okay. That's that's that's, the other side. that's one thing for the like the last ten years. I always have
0: that what kind that's come in handy. What kind of earplug? Uh
3: well I usually have just little foam. Oh yeah. Just foam ones, you know. Yep. And then I have these like custom made ones that like I'm DJing tonight, so I always try to remember to the
0: custom ones.
3: Them. Or if I'm on the road, I, bring them.
0: I lost my yeah. custom earplugs within like the first month. I spent I, know, I spent all the money. Fine. Went to the 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 it's person. Fine. They took a mold. They did yep. the whole thing, Yeah, over two hundred dollars, and they're just gone.
3: I'm like, yeah, okay. I know. Yeah, thankfully I somehow held on. But I'm super like I lose stuff all the time. But with them, I'm like. Hyper focused about. Like, that's good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's too expensive are, to
0: lose. Yes. Okay. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. So, what else is in Gear Corner? You got? What else is there?
3: Oh, Gear Corner. Yeah. Uh, probably just my drum kit. I mean, you know, for a together. That's that's uh that's it. Is that a, is that a? But, I, but the funny thing is, I play on while together. I played the first album. Most of it's on uh, the drum kit. It was at Phil's, which was was that Pat's? I don't even know whose drum it was, but I played. I play on whatever drums usually the shows I hate I just use the backline because I hate lugging around drums like yeah that's a, I I love drumming but like I hate everything that comes with it like having to carry them or, or record them or like <laughs> I'm really lazy I guess like when it comes like I mean I do it out of necessity but like I love to drum but yeah like all the other stuff is just a pain to me <laughs> like tuning drums that's why i probably oh. don't have a drum key like that's why i got these Ludwig's because they just sound pretty good and stay in tune so like i, I it was that's why I, I didn't get them because they were cool looking or cool i just got them because they sounded that great. was just a bonus have to tune them. <laughs> it was bonus yeah but it was mainly just because i don't have to tune them a lot and they sound how i them to sound
0: so amazing yeah. amazing okay phil yeah um Let's let, come with me down the other hallway. We're going to walk. <laughs> okay. We're opening this door. Okay. Now we're in Phil's gear, gear corner. What gear do we have in here, Phil?
1: Um, well, it's my Sun amp, which weighs about three tons.
0: Which Sun amp?
1: It, it's the 2000 Ooh. with a one by 18 inch speaker. Wow. Uh, uh, but I'm seriously starting to think about looking at those Kempers <laughs> <laughs> no, no, come on complete opposite <laughs> yeah. Just from,
0: well the, those
1: some the, that there's the giant transformers in the
0: outputs right that's that you get to the two like 30 pound magnets that sit on the back of those I,
1: the, huge valves yeah I think it's got yeah. like 12 valves in it or something like ridiculous yeah it's...
0: those are beautiful things but yeah they're backbreakers. oh and the 118 doesn't help either
1: that doesn't help any yep. much either. Okay, but that's not too bad actually because it's just one speaker in a you know a big cabinet. Yeah. Okay. Instead of four twelve, so that's not too bad. But the okay. head are eight tens the
0: size of a refrigerator. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 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 basically gets heavy quick. Okay, so you got the sun, the sun two thousand, the
1: one eighteen, and then and and me and Steve a uh, big pedal pedal boys Um, and we're lucky enough to be signed to a label that makes really cool guitar pedals as well, Oliver's company, Death by Audio I'll give them a plug oh yeah Um, we all went shopping there at their warehouse the other week and uh, we get friends and family discount so uh, got a bunch of those pedals um, me and Steve recently got into organizing our pedal boards a bit better. I've always been a gaffer tape and nine volt battery I'm gonna,
2: I'm, guy. I, I, I want to make a, a, an asterisk right here because when it comes to my turn, I'm going to show you just how organized things are over here. Are over there.
1: <laughs> you know, if, even in my LCD days, it was always half dead nine volt batteries having to put them on your tongue and gaffer tape and um but we finally invested in some of those gator cases you know and mm-hmm. proper power supplies and so it's getting really pro now watch out don't yeah. don't go
0: selling out don't go too professional
1: <laughs> not, at, not at this stage of
0: the game uh, can't do it no
1: yeah
0: <laughs> amazing amazing uh, what about the, those flat patch cables have you gotten into that have you gone that far yeah the, yeah, the EBS, the ones from yeah. Sweden. Now Fender makes some, but yeah, that's the game changer right there. Yeah, uh, that's how you know someone's really a pro. It used to be if you put your cable like through the the strap, you know what I mean. If you had, that used to be the mark of a professional. Now, if you got the flat patch, now you really know someone's someone's cooking with gas. Yeah. Yeah. So, Randy, I'm starting to get a vibe from you that there's some some uh, some real gear <laughs> nerd nerd happening
2: over there. Yeah, I'm not sure
0: well, Yeah, if I tilt the camera over there, there's the there's, there's that, yeah. zone, right? that keeps going into infinity, and then all of these baffles. These baffles all hide more stuff that I can't. You know, that nice. would be would cause me to freak out. Yeah, there's a lot of the. the yeah i'll I'll text you a pedal a, a picture of the the pedal shelf i built i eventually <laughs> had to do that anyway at you, least you have a pedal shelf it got to that point yeah the, the wow. milk crates were full and then i had to do something about it okay but yeah steve now uh <clears throat> as we say we're gonna walk we're gonna leave phil's gear corner now we're gonna turn turn the corner around there don't mind that it's the bathroom there's the dogs the cat open up your your door to your gear corner what are we finding in here steve
2: so are you talking about just you mean very very uh specifically just gear like musical equipment
0: yeah i want to, to nerd out i mean i figured everybody who does the job right, who has, has to do multiple right. things has, right, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna do this again you and i may have a six up uh, six part you know two hour podcast each So <laughs> <It You> we're <laughs> have, have 40 it, hours it, you, of content about it. It here. but yeah but for now this is just uh just a preview yeah
2: so this is my studio i'm in right now right so this is Here's where the drums are. That's a Ludwig kit. There's some guitars. Beautiful. If you go over here, there's some more. These are all like fretted violins and octave ukuleles. Uh, There's a, let me read what it says. I don't even know. Uh, Baritone uke, slide ukulele, lap steels. Um, Here's my piano. Here's a Juno that was out for work yesterday. Here's some Mm -hmm. rack stuff, It's rack stuff. Here's more guitars.
0: <laughs> yes. So um, I don't know. semi bodies. yeah. We have 335s.
2: Yeah, yeah. there's just a couple, yeah. Here's how organized things are getting over here. You can tell things are really pro.
0: <laughs> just pile here. And piles piles of, of pedals,
2: yep. Here's some guitars and old Fender Tweed amps. It's beautiful. Um, brown Fender
0: amp. My God. 59 baseman. There we go. Uh, that's here's, yeah. Here's, that's here's, what the Model C- T, the Sun Model T, was based off of the basement circuit. Yeah,
2: this is '64 white Jaguar, uh, deluxe reverb, tweed twin.
0: Whoa! Uh, okay.
2: More basses, guitars, what, what? banjos.
0: So I'm in a similar boat to you yeah there's there's the quantity, but what's what's the one you're gonna you're gonna play you're just gonna kick out some jams, you come in, what are you plugging into my what?
2: guitar got it this is this is the guitar that I probably
0: it's funny, I don't use this guitar
2: for work like commercial stuff, really, but this is a watt together guitar it's a yeah. old jazz master you can see you yeah. know this already. beautiful, yep, so it's I've had this. I got it for my thirtieth birthday, which is a long time ago now. <laughs> um, it was not as beat when I got it, um, so yeah, that's that's, that's probably. Your, that's
0: your go-to, just picking up a guitar, playing something that you pick that up. And what are you plugging it into? What's what's the?
2: For what together? Yeah. There, there are blonde. I like old Fender amps, and there are blonde. The record was a blonde bassman, and the but. Uh, I found a blonde tremolux that had been. How how nerdy do you want to get? <laughs> I don't
0: know that, uh, what, thirty more seconds so we, of
2: nerdiness? We did the we did the blonde the record with the blonde basement only because I thought it was cool and I wanted to bring it over and it, it I liked the sound of it because uh, it was only one guitar and it was big sounding with closed cabinet like it was a really great sound, and then I saw this tremolux up in Rochester on. Uh, I guess eBay, but it happened to be in Rochester, where I'm from. And uh, it had been fucked. It had been effects send return put in. It had been 80s fried, right? Yeah. But it was a a white Tremolux with a cabinet, and it was cheap. And so I I bought it, and I had my amp guy up there take all that crap out. And that's turned into the amp now I play with Wah together. It's at Vito Studio. It's like the basement. It's a little not quite as loud but it's a little meaner sounding it's a little like gnarlier or something but Vito has it at his studio now um it lives there and whenever Vito has someone come over and play guitar and play through it they always Vito tells me they always like it it's
3: a great studio app yeah it's like always it's a great thing to have (laughs) yeah it's a bit of a rare amp guitar players come over like oh shit.
2: Yeah, it's it's I mean it's 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 a bit of a rare amp because two tens, it's a bit odd because it's like why did they even make a head and cabinet version of such a small amp? Like it's it's I guess maybe thirty watt thirty-five watts, but it's two tens. So it's like here's a brown bandmaster. Sixty brown bandmaster. Oh there. And and like this is a bigger amp than the amp and head that I have <laughs> that I play with Watt together. Amazing. This one, Randy, yeah. here's the here, here's the nerdiest thing I'm going to show you. This amp is, um, if you look closely, can you see the, the, the knobs on it? Yeah. This is, so the innovation with these amps from Fender, before, before 1960, they were like this. Whoop. They were like this. They were tweed with the controls on top. Yep. The innovation with the brown amps, no one had ever done this before. Is they put the controls on the front, right? Yeah. So that's 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 great. First of all, that's an innovation. But the first thing that you, if you really look, they were they didn't figure it out right away. And so the first few run of amps had the volume knob in the middle, <laughs> which is bizarre. Like you want the volume knob to be the first one, right? Every other amp you've seen since then, the volume knob is first. This one's in the middle. Wow. So it it's. Anyway, get really
0: nerdy. <laughs> this one goes to 11, <laughs> and it goes to 11, right? Yeah, yeah that's, that's what it. I was just thinking. Yeah, I know. So, <laughs> so, anyway, don't, yeah. do the, the, the other even with water. Don't even touch it. Don't look at it. Oh, so, yeah.
3: <laughs> Are we supposed
0: to get that nerdy? <laughs> no, 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 not at all, not
3: at all. I no. no. Playing no. The drum no. patches on my drum kit. Oh,
0: this is a whole. It's another podcast. Let's do it. The Lifelong Pursuit. Well, thank you guys so much. I love that, though. I really can't thank you enough. This is incredible. It's my first all-band interview. You. this was really so much fun i really i really appreciate you guys making time for me on a friday um, and uh, it's been fantastic I feel like we should have
2: a whole other hour we just talk i want to hear about you in la and i want to know what it was like l- l- watching know, New York oh in the god. in the 90s like like when your when your band was going in the
0: in the beginning oh my god like yeah, yeah. yeah. we'll have to we'll have to also do this again like
3: yeah, I mean, we, should, we should interview you. We're a big fan. I'm a fan of the music. The oh, my God. Totally. Footage, oh, so my God. You yeah, guys are too, yeah, we're all fans. So you guys are too fans, kind.
0: Well, yeah, well, we got to play more shows together. You guys got to come out here to LA when when everything's working and cooking. I know. We got to do more. Yeah, I'm definitely down. I'm, yeah. I'm, they I'm got mean, blonde tremoloxes out there? I would have to imagine. I don't. But somebody <laughs> <just kidding>. does. <laughs> somebody does. I'm sure Joe Bonamassa has 14 of them oh up, in his, up in his hills <laughs> there. <laughs> we can read all about it in Guitar World and go bother. Joe Bonamama I did go to Joe Bonamassa's garage sale twice. He had a little like gear oh sale you, and...
2: you 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 are sick
0: just <laughs> like me. Yeah. John 5 was there from Marilyn Manson and Rob oh, Zombie. C- of course On I know John who five. that is. Yeah, John 5 was there and now of montley Crew. The new, now the new Motley Crew. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. We got it. we got and it. We got and, to an and those uh, you guys. We're terrible. And, and of one of my favorite Instagram
2: accounts, knights and Satan Service. Oh no. Kiss- I don't know this one. It's only Kiss fan memorabilia from the 70s, basically.
0: Oh, my God. That's incredible. There's a, um, oh, we, we lost Phil on that one. Phil's like, no, I, uh, sorry, Phil. right. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta go. I follow a good kiss uh, tattoo uh, Instagram account. It's just all bad kiss tattoos. And um, oh, Ron, Ronnie from the muffs, the bass player from the, from the band, the muffs uh, uh, shouted that one out. And so I started following it because of that. Okay. You guys, I've taken a boy too much of your time. Thank you so much. Please let's keep in touch. And um, I'm going to stop, I'm going to stop the recording right, and then sorry. we can talk for another second. Okay. All right. How awesome were those guys? Man, that was so much fun talking to them. Incredible stories. I did not know all of those um, ins and outs of everything they were up to. I mean, they put the super in super group, right? Uh, I feel like we could have jabbered on for another six hours. And uh, we did. Once the mics, once we were off the mics here, we did keep talking. And yeah, I feel like me and Steve have a whole other guitar nerd out podcast we can get into. So thank you for listening. And please go check out WA Together. Uh, I'm sure they'll be playing in the New York area, and their songs and records are up for downloading and listening to on uh, all the streamers, as well as Bandcamp. You should really go out and support their Bandcamp page and buy stuff from them directly and from Dead Strange Records. Thank you, uh, Ollie and Steven, for setting up this great interview, and I will talk to you guys all soon. Thanks, bye.